Every week, join me on my podcast, Something to Say with Lola Adeshoye from New York, as I bring you my weekly roundup of global politics and culture, world events, interviews, new music, great books, films, and everything I think you need to keep you in the know and to make your life even more interesting. So every week, be here with me, Something to Say with Lola Adeshoye. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Friday, April the 16th. Welcome to the third episode of Something to Say, hosted by me, Lola Adeshoye. And I've got a lot to say today, as always. What's new, right? (laughs) So the question today and the topic that I'm focusing on is, should Europe return artefacts stolen from Africa back to Africa? My particular answer is, hell yeah. And so the reason why this is something I'm talking about today is because since around the 70s or so, Nigerians and Africans have been saying, you know, Europe, you've taken a lot of our stuff. Would you mind giving it back? And in particular, what they've been referring to is a collection of artifacts, many thousands of them, at least 3,000, called the Benin Bronzes. The Benin Bronzes... uh, a collection of different artifacts, figurines, tusks, sculptures, ivory masks, and some bronzes. Um, As I said, they actually are not all bronzes, but they are collectively known as the Benin bronzes, uh, which were ransacked, stolen, looted in 1897 by the British, who went into the kingdom of Benin. They were quite angry, you see, that the king did not want to welcome them in to colonise them, essentially. And uh, the British basically burnt the place down and stole all the stuff and took these very, very important, significant cultural artefacts and back to Britain. And they've since ended up in various parts of the Western world, uh, in Europe, in the US, in museums, in private collections. And, you know, this is this is a problem. Now, as part of this you know, the decolonization movement, there have been increasing calls for the repatriation of these cultural artifacts. And the fact that now, in the past month or so, museums are starting to say, okay, you know, we're actually going to give these back, is really significant to me because it shows that the decolonization movement is happening. I actually believe that change starts with culture first. And so when you start to see cultural shifts happening, that tells you something about the direction in which things are going. Anyway, let me give you a bit of background as to what happened here. So the Kingdom of Benin, which is now in part of southeast Nigeria, was a very, very prosperous kingdom from around the 1200s to the 1800s. It was actually considered one of the oldest and most highly developed states in the coastal hinterland of West Africa. Like I said, formed around 11th century, and then it was annexed by the British Empire in 1897. The first Europeans to really go to Benin were Portuguese um, in around the late 1400s, and they developed a very, very strong trading relationship with Benin, trading all sorts of things, palm oil, pepper, ivory, and let's tell the truth, slaves. Um, 
But, you know, this relationship was very, very strong. It made the kingdom of Benin very, very rich. And the British started trading with Benin in the 1500s and also developed a very significant trading relationship, trading pepper, palm oil, ivory, and again, later slaves. But according to our good friends at Wikipedia, you know, visitors were bringing back tales of great Benin saying how amazing this place was. In fact, you know, the Benin city itself and its kingdom had this gigantic wall, which apparently was four times longer than the Great Wall of China and, um, you know, of great architectural significance. The people of Benin were very skilled artisans, very skilled craftsmen and craftswomen. And these cultural artifacts, like they are everywhere else, are very important in telling us about how people thought, what they did, what they worshipped, you know, and, and just how good they were at what they were doing at the time. So, like I said, you know, there was a an issue in the 1800s, late 1800s, 1897, that people of Benin realised that Britain wanted to invade Benin to depose the king. And so... The people of Benin actually ordered a preemptive attack on the British um, who were approaching the city and about eight Britons or so were killed. And so Britain decided in order to get back at Benin for not wanting to submit to colonialism that they would destroy Benin essentially. And that's what they did. They raised it, they burned the city down to the ground, they destroyed a lot of the art and then the rest of it they kept and here we are today. Now, as we know, over the past few years, um, the idea of decolonizing has just been picking up. We're talking about decolonizing curriculums. We're talking about pulling down statues. We're talking about renaming things. We're talking about basically just trying to undo the damage done by colonialism. Because let's face it, the colonial project might have benefited some people, but it was destructive. It was actually disastrous. I would actually argue that had colonialism not happened, the world would actually be a lot more prosperous overall, a lot richer overall. And there's absolutely no doubt that Africa would have been because Africa already was rich before Europe got there. And so this whole issue about the Benin bronzes really speaks to that, speaks to the fact that before the Europeans arrived and uh, started stealing our stuff, we were doing pretty well. You know, we had we had artifacts, we had things we made, we had things that were sophisticated, that were developed, that were very well thought out, that in fact, many Europeans couldn't even make themselves. So here we are today, 2021, and a representative from Germany went to Nigeria last month. It was actually uh, the head of Germany's foreign minister, cultural representative, and said, you know, we're going to be the first country to return these bronzes to Nigeria permanently, which is fantastic and, well, very long overdue, but well done to Germany for that. Because there are about 25 German museums that have looted items from Benin. And I think given Germany's history with Nazism and the fact that, 
you know, the Nazis looted a lot of items as well, which had to uh, essentially be returned uh, at some point. I would like to think that Germany understands the pain of having things looted and stolen and, and held in other places where they're not supposed to be, you know. So there are about 160 international museums around the world which are holding Benin objects. And um, UCLA has said here in America that they too will look to return about 18 objects that they've been holding for some time. And this is all to me just good. This is really, really, really good news. Um, what I really like about what Germany said is they've also said there's, you know, they will engage in training and development of spaces. So it's not just give them back and move on, but actually try and repair some of the damage that was done all these many years later. Now, the British, of course, God bless the Brits, um, the British government has a, has a different stance. Um, they claim that institutions should actually retain and explain these contested artefacts. And actually earlier this year, the culture secretary in the UK said that he objected to the removal of statues or other similar objects. And he urges museums to defend our culture and history from the noisy minority of activists constantly trying to do Britain down. However, in an interesting uh, about turn and a bit of a, you know, FU, various regional museums in the UK have started saying that they will repatriate um, Benin bronzes and Benin objects. So the University of Aberdeen in Scotland confirmed just a couple of weeks ago that it would repatriate a bust of the king of benin which it's had since the 1950s the cambridge museum of archaeology and anthropology big up to cambridge my alma mater has said that it will too um repatriate some of these items it actually has some of the largest collections of bronzes in britain um and the bristol museum and art gallery has said it's open to all possibilities and is actively working with nigerian groups now, much of the focus has been in the UK on the British Museum because the British Museum also has one of the largest collections of bronzes in the world with actually some 900 items. Um, unfortunately, under current British sort of historical preservation rules, they can't just give them back like that. But the movement to decolonise, to repatriate, to restitute is gaining strength and that to me is really 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 important some years ago I sat on a panel in which I discussed with some people this particular topic and I actually just wanted to play for you a quick snippet from um, Dudu Saar who's an art consultant in Nairobi and what he had to say about the repatriation of African artifacts talking about is a very dear issue to most self-respecting Africans, or all Africans, I should say. Um, I mean, and, and my take on it is from a very simple premise. If Africa is not holding any cultural treasures of Europe or the Americas or any other continent, then nobody else under no circumstances should be holding um, our treasures. So from that simple premise, I think the repatriation, it's not even a debate that should be automatically done. Now, how and where and when, yes, that, that deserves some sort of thinking, 
But on the issue of whether we should or we shouldn't, I think it's a non, um, non-issue. We shouldn't even be asking ourselves whether we, we should claim those things back. Let me tell you, I obviously agree with Dudu Saar 100%. He says that, you know, if we are not holding European things, then Europeans should not hold our things. I agree with that. I agree it's about self-respect. It's about self-determination. And, you know, really, it's just about, like, we're tired of this colonial thing. Please, let's get rid of it. Like I said, I think the colonial project was extremely destructive, Well, I don't think it was. It actually was. I mean, yes, okay, Europe has prospered. Um, At whose expense? My expense. You know, black people around the world's expense. African people's expenses. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And quite frankly as well, it's just very boring and it's tiresome. And I don't, you know, I don't know if people, the people who like the culture minister in the UK who says, you know, people should uh, ignore these noisy activists, this minority of activists who want to do Britain down, you know, it just completely misses the point. The point is this, I'm a human being, I have the right to define myself, I have the right to have self-determination, I have the right to live free from the imposition of other people's bizarre ideas about who I am and how I should live, and certainly I have the right to be free from having my religion, language, culture stolen from me, because that's exactly what's happened. Um, And being forced to basically take on somebody else's religion, culture, language, etc. In order to live and then to be essentially told that I should live like a second class citizen. No, you know what? No more of this. It's not the way of the world. Colonialism, racism, white supremacy, because they're all part of the same thing, you know, caste systems, these are man-made. Are there differences between human beings? Yes, there are. There are differences between everything in nature. Um, But, you know, is one better than the other inherently? Well, that's a decision made by human beings. Can people do different things? Yes, they can. Well, why can we not just accept that people do different things and some people do some of those things um, better or more advanced way than others. For example, you know, the people of Benin made incredible bronzes. The Egyptians were able to build incredible pyramids. Now, if you want to know how to do these things, uh, you could have asked the people to give you some advice or something. Don't have to go and burn the stuff down or destroy it, steal it um, and keep it for yourself. I mean, that's just greed. And it's a very strange psychological way of thinking. I don't really understand that. I mean, I can only assume there's some amount of envy to it too, because the only reason why I could think that somebody wants to go and take someone else's stuff and and keep it um, is because they feel somehow either jealous or they feel like they can do that, get those things on their own, off their own merits. So I am all for... uh, repatriating of everything and I'm talking about uh, (laughs) I'm talking about you know you stole people you need to you need to pay for that too you know you made people work for hundreds of years for free yeah you need to do something about that I am all about that and I'm quite frankly tired of hearing people say that you know or this 
this notion that black people and African people um, have not contributed to global culture and society when in fact we have and beyond um, and we had our stuff taken or destroyed and then told that we don't contribute anything which is absolutely ridiculous and actually that's something I said on that panel that I was on before you can hear a little clip of it here which were not given you know they were they didn't get consent for safekeeping it's not like Benin said oh please hold on to these for us and we'll come and collect them in a few years time or you can hold them in perpetuity so realistically it's private property and they should be returned I don't think there's any good reason why Britain should hold on to them yes I understand that they could say well if there's nowhere in Benin that can keep them for now yeah. fine and we'll set up a time when we can say there'll be a handover but I think morally it's wrong to keep them I think that it's people need to be able to see the cultural artifacts from their own cultures. And the problem is that Europe took a lot out of Africa and um, have since said that Africans haven't really contributed anything to culture while holding our cultural artifacts in, in Europe. So not to belabor this point, but should Europe return artifacts? Yes, unequivocally. So should America. And while they're at it, they should return everything that they stole. <laughs> That's my perspective. If you stole resources, give them back. You stole labor, you need to find a way to give that back. Everything that's been taken, everything that's been looted, everything that's been destroyed, everything that has been downgraded needs to be repaired. It needs to be restored. It needs to be repatriated and it needs to be restituted. And that is what I believe in. I'm happy to see these things happening. But it is time to decolonize everything. This week, the rapper DMX sadly passed away. Just want to say, big up DMX. Thank you for your contribution to music. Thank you for everything you did. He leaves behind 15 children and millions of fans all over the world. He was only 50 years old. Earl Simmons, rest in peace. DMX was an interesting character. Um, he struggled with addiction, but even amongst his addiction problems, he was very lucid and thoughtful about some things. And there was a clip I just wanted to play you of something that he said in an interview that I heard from 2016, which I really appreciated, just about, you know, the meaning of things. You know, anybody can uh, give themselves an award. Right. You know, or, you know, say, you know, we're all artists here, we can give each other awards all day, but, but what does it really, what does it really mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, the real award is when you're able to walk, you know, wherever, or just, just, just come in contact with, 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 with real fans, I mean, not at an event, but just in, 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 you know, doing their everyday living type thing. And, you know, they tell you, yo, this song you did saved my life. Mm -hmm. or, this song you did, you know, uh, 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 motivates me to work out or, mm -hmm. you know, inspired me to get out of bed in the morning. You know what I'm saying? I now on to some stuff for you for the weekend. If you're into film. It's been awards season for a while, various awards, the BAFTAs were recently, the Oscars are coming up and 
as I've mentioned on other podcasts, I've been interviewing some of these filmmakers and writers and directors and producers who have been Oscar nominated. And this past week, I sat down with a writer-director called Elvira Lind and the producer Sophia Sonderval-Bilt, who put together a short film, Oscar nominated, called The Letter Room. I would highly recommend you watch it. It's very interesting. It's 30 minutes long. And it is the story of a corrections officer who is tasked with opening and reading letters which have been sent to inmates on death row in the prison in which he works. And the man who plays that character is an actor called Oscar Isaac, who is actually Elvira Lynn's husband. And Elvira was pregnant while she was writing and making this film. And, uh, you know, I had a good conversation with her and Sophia this week. And uh, this was what they had to say. What do you, what would you want people to walk away with from watching this? You know, whatever it is, what, what, mm-hmm. what would you want people to get? Well, I want them to remember that there's things that need to change in that system and that we, when we decide to punish someone, um, collectively putting someone in a prison that's like, oh, but the, the law has ruled that, so that's what's going to happen. We are punishing so many other people as well. Mm-hmm. The family, everyone that loves that person is being punished. And when you put someone away for, you know, you imagine people that have been in there for 30 years, you know, um, the children that don't get to see their parents for 30 years uh, outside of a visitation room or visiting room or maybe ever get to see them. Um, I want us to remember that. And I think focusing in on letters and how fragile that is um, actually just that's the route of communication between the people you love and and how vulnerable that also becomes in a system like that. I think that's a good way to start a conversation. And maybe that can, you know, make us all remember that's not how it should be. How about you, Sophia? Would you say the same? I agree with all of it. And I would also say that <laughs> just because you're pregnant doesn't mean you can't make movies. <laughs> so there you go. Check out The Letter Room on topic.com. And you can check out my interview with Elvira and Sophia on my Instagram page, which is instagram.com slash Lola Adeshoye um, and have a a watch of that. It's a good one. Um, So yes, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to coming back with you next week. I've got more films, more interviews, some music stuff. um, And obviously something more to say about something I've seen in the world. Have a great one. Bye.